Hello everyone, this is Steven and uh, this is also the Super Duper Music Podcast. Even though I am alone today, which is not because uh, Matthias ditched me, it's just because we just simply could not uh, find dates uh, in the last uh, couple weeks. So we just thought after our last attempt failed to um, yeah, just go for alone episodes just to have... You know, bridge bridge the time. So this is somewhat of an experiment. Uh, I'm alone today. Um, and I'll be talking about some current issues and some things that have been interesting me. And uh, Matthias will get back uh, with a alone episode later on. And of course, uh, we are scheduling, scheduling normal, uh, full-fledged, super-duper music podcast episodes for the future. So... Um, Don't think this is will be a regular um, uh, situation. So um, I was just thinking of talking about some things with you guys uh, uh, regarding current events in the music world. It's been obviously a crazy time in general. Uh, so we had the inauguration of um, Mr. Fascistoid Trump. And we've had many um, situations surrounding uh, his first couple of weeks in the in the uh, in the presidency and and the sort of yeah uh, outcomes regarding music and uh, the the cultural world in the U.S. So that's that has been interesting. Um, I also here in Germany in good old Europe. Um, been seeing some interesting openings, uh, in particular the Elbphilharmonie in Hamburg, which is of course a very interesting uh, architecture and um, yeah, new new place for music. Uh, so I was at, I had the honor to be at the opening, thanks to the invitation of the Ensemble Resonance, and I I also will be at the opening of the Pierre Boulez Saal in. Uh, And but here in Berlin, so and that's also a very interesting uh, new initiative. We've been talking about both, but I'll get into that a little bit, and I'll be talking about uh, the Trump inauguration and as it as it affects uh, music. And I also do have one technology I would like to present to you guys. Um, I'll get to that in the end. So Elbphilharmony opening. I was there. Uh, this was uh, in the beginning of of, of January. Um, so this was a a long incubation process. We've been talking about this on the podcast. Uh, it cost about seven times as much as it uh, supposed to. It uh, had huge um, cultural political uh, f fights surrounding it. Uh, very very debated. Uh, Yeah, um, infrastructure project. So we have a special situation in Hamburg because Hamburg has a very very strong um, sort of bourgeoisie. So there are many old families with a lot of money um, coming back from you know 19th century, basically old merchant families and uh, very very wealthy people. 
So the interesting thing about Elf Philharmonie is that it actually in, it was initiated, as I heard, uh, privately. So this it was a kind of a private initiative by um, a bunch of people. And of course, the city jumped in uh, quite early. And uh, this was a huge visionary idea to build this concert hall on top of an old uh, dock in the Hamburg um, harbor. So it's a spectacular Uh, setting and the whole structure i'm sure you've seen pictures and and if not please just google elbphilharmonie and you'll you'll see it it's it's an incredible architecture by herzog and de Meron, very famous um architects from switzerland and it sits on top of this dock and it has this wave form and so all the facades all the every single um window was is made individually so it sort of casts a very special reflections and so it looks like this massive wave in the harbor of hamburg and it has a big concert hall within it which is very special as i as i um experienced when i was there it's um extremely high and not at all very um broad so Uh, that's 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 quite quite a quite a unique um, space in a way, because uh, which is probably due to uh, the just the architectural um, in restrictions because the, the the space on the stock is just not very broad. So it's kind of um, yeah, it's kind of squeezed into into this quite narrow space. So I think it's at no point um, broader than 30 meters. But it's 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 quite high. So you have the stage in the middle. It's sort of um, based on yeah most modern uh, philharmonic buildings, um, which all are based basic and yeah are based on uh, Hans Scharoun's um, model of the uh, uh, Berlin Philharmonie. And uh, so it's so it's a stage in the middle and audience around it. And And it's really, really steep. So you have a, a stage and you have these steeply ascending uh, rows of audience going up like, like you know, wine hills. And uh, it, it, it's, it's quite remarkable how, how steep it is and how, um, yet how close you actually are. Um, so as I heard, this uh, posts some quite, yeah, uh, challenge, challenging um procedures for the acoustics planning because it's just a very yeah atypical uh, space and they spent huge amount of money to uh, optimize acoustics they first of all had world famous uh, acoustics specialist uh, uh, a, a guy called toyota from japan who's basically the superstar of acoustics worldwide And he he so he planned it uh, from an acoustics perspective. They have this huge reflector on top of the on top on top of the space. So on on the roof, this massive um, sound reflector thing. All the panels on the walls are individually crafted, and um, so n no square meter is 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 alike. It's it's really quite remarkable, and this also has. Um, acoustic uh, reasons that all being said um, the actual acoustics the actual sound in the hall 
is um, it's good, but it's not overwhelmingly good. So, and that's an interesting, I think, aspect of, of, of this whole discussion because there's been so much talk about how great the acoustics is. It has been kind of a placebo um, discussion in a way. And that's, 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 that's weird. So, and probably has political reasons because they spend so much money now on it, so much time, so much um, struggle and trouble that um, they just, it had to be good. It just had to be good. It could not be suboptimal. And um, I would say it is suboptimal. It's not optimal. It's it's good, but it's not it's not the best acoustics I've I've ever heard. And um, uh, yet it is, of course, a very impressive space, and it's beautiful in a way. And um, and it's 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 pretty cool to be there. But um, obviously, quite debatable in its um, yeah cultural political aspects. Um, particularly because uh, I said that before on this podcast, um, it seems to be um, weird to me that they would spend so much money and build, have such a visionary structure. And in the end, really, what it is, it's just a it's just a concert hall. You know, it's <laughs> it's just you go to a classical concert. It's pretty much the same as uh, any other classical concert in terms of what can actually happen there, content-wise. It's all you can really do is symphony concerts. You can, of course, and they will have other types of music there, which is which is great. But um, in terms of um, format and perspective and contextualization, it's quite limiting. And that you also noticed uh, in the opening program itself, which was pretty daring, I would say, and pretty, um, yeah, um, I, I would applaud the the courage that was implied in this in, in making this program they didn't announce any of it uh, before so it was a big secret uh, it was designed mostly I, th I believe by Thomas Hengelbrook which is the chief conductor of the NDR Elbphilharmonie Orchestra which is the in residence orchestra and uh, they they played a program uh, that was very um, very, very it contained a lot of contemporary music or some boulets. It was a, a premiere by Wolfgang Riem. Um, there's Messiaen, and in between some um, sort of interludes uh, with Baroque music and with uh, various solos, also with uh, the countertenor Philip Jowski. And in the end, it's kind of the obligatory. Beethoven ninth finale uh, with the with the Freude schöner Götterfunken and all that. So um, that is a little bit um, predictable, but uh, otherwise it was a very yeah very mixed, quite modern program. Um, but you did notice that they basically went as far as they one can go in this hall, and that's not very far. They I mean, there's a symphony orchestra in the on stage. They had some. Um, interludes in in the audience. So Philip Jaruski and the harpist played from sort of one of the ranks uh, further on top in the hall. Mm, yeah, that's basically it. I mean, you can do some little bit with light. You can uh, have uh, seamless transitions between pieces, but really, that you can't do anything more out of it. It's a it's a it's a place for the very traditional concert setting, which 
is okay maybe but in a in a way i find it disappointing that such a visionary um space would then be so yeah utterly traditional in its content and uh, that's uh, that's troublesome what is better though i find uh, and i uh, had the honor to be at the opening of uh the small hall which is a really really beautiful uh space they don't talk about it so much but it's it's really remarkable it has these wooden walls sort of also everything carved out and sort of bumpy wooden uh um space it's like a walnut uh, like a carved out walnut it has this dark brown really lush beautiful look sound is great it's a it's it's a basically like a big black box so you can use it in 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 various ways you can change the um audience space you can change the stage you can do a lot with light and with um various um yeah format innovations so 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 that's really good i love this small hall which is where the ensemble resonance is in residence uh that's really a fantastic space i love that and i'm really looking forward to what is uh, what will be happening over there um so that's maybe the air phenomenon and uh, one more interesting uh space opening up in germany is the pierre boules hall in berlin uh, which we talked about talked about this on the podcast is a um is a new um new space built in the old uh sort of yeah warehouse basically of uh, of the Staatsoper Unter den Linden, uh, one of the main um, operas in, in, in Berlin, and where, of course, Daniel Barnboim is uh, uh, chief conductor. So, and, and they renovated the whole, this whole space and built into it a beautiful concert hall, which is um, quite small in its dimensions, uh, but it's, it definitely fills in a niche in Berlin. Uh, about, I believe, about six to eight hundred people uh, depending on the yeah on the setup uh it's uh, really beautiful it, it's, it was built by frank gary and um or designed by frank gary it also has toyota as its acoustic specialist and it sounds really great I, I i i got to see preview it in a in the end of the um construction phase and i will be at the opening in fifth of um march that's a really cool cool space i'm really looking forward to uh, hearing it and i will definitely talk about it um in a podcast shortly after after the opening it's part of the infrastructure of um, the barnboim said academy which we've been talking about on the podcast and which is also uh will be definitely watched and commented on as it starts its um, operations quite soon uh, a beautiful initiative, uh, I believe, uh, maybe somewhat um, problematic in its, uh, yeah, in, in the way it's actually being run, but we'll see. Definitely uh, benefit of the doubt there, and uh, and and definitely um, uh, a great idea in general. So we'll see. We'll see how that all all turns out. Turns out, and we'll be talking about that soon. So. Um, I don't think I need to talk much about Trump and all the very, very uh, troubling aspects of his first days in office. Um, it is interesting to 
shed a light on what he's been proposing or threatening to do in terms of um, the uh, the artistic support or, or the uh, support of the arts and of culture, which is very limited in the U.S. anyway. Um, that that is very sad how uh, to hear and to read how he um, threatens to or I think is pl actually planning to shut down the National Endowment of the Arts and uh, sh basically shut down public radio or cut it radically and the the few um, federal programs that actually exist for the arts um, to entirely cut that down is a very yeah um very troublesome and i think um there will be a huge amount of shitstorm uh coming up now in the next few months when these things are being um yeah um instituted as 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 policies and that's that's very um it will be very interesting and we'll definitely cover how this is all turning out in the us as as regards Uh, the arts and culture um, it's not surprising that a guy like Trump is doesn't really have much in common with um, the subtle and uh, yeah poetic <laughs> aspects of life so uh, the arts uh, don't won't have a good uh, standing with him but um, in, in I, I do believe that there's a good rooting in society at least in some parts of the u.s so um we'll definitely see some resistance to these ideas and um the problem is of course that basically what trump is doing is is is, is running culture wars all over the white house and the arts and culture in general is definitely more of a more on the other side of Uh, of, of of the cultural divide in the US so I believe um, there will be a lot of um, yeah a lot of uh, a lot of stress on on that whole whole world from from this current government and let's just hope that the backlash is strong enough to um, yeah to resist at least some of the worst ideas that are, have been promoted um, there so coming to uh the technology i wanted to talk about um that would be mp3 you guys heard of mp3 of course you have um you're basically probably using it every day it's the standard um the digital standard the standard for an audio coding format and so what does that mean I, so what we try to do in the super duper music podcast is to uh, once in a while explain things we can't take for granted and that are very obvious uh, and and used a lot but maybe are not actually understood and as and, and these these could be things regarding technology but also uh, musical concepts or um, ideas so i want to just talk about the mp3 because i noticed lately i actually don't really know what it actually does and what it, uh, it actually means and the history of it And this may be obvious to some of you, but uh, for me it was interesting, so I assume for some of you guys this may be relevant as well. So MP3 
um, is an audio coding format for digital audio, which uses a form of lossy data compression. So what does lossy data compression mean? Um, it, it, it basically, so every, as I understand it, every, uh, the, the recording of music in, 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 in high fidelity is a huge amount of information. And most of, uh, most of that information is actually beyond the audible sphere. So uh, much beyond uh, the spectrum that we can actually hear. So um, the use of lossy data compression is designed to reduce the amount of data required uh, and that by a factor of 10. And, and yet it's still supposed to sound like the original uncompressed audio to most listeners. So for the normal uh, listener, um, a good, a well-compressed MP3 should not sound any different at all. And that, although MP3 compression commonly achieves up to 95% reduction in file size. So uh, that's pretty impressive that you can com yeah, compress an audio file by by factor of 10 and still it does you don't actually hear the difference and there have been many studies and blind studies uh, on this and people actually don't really hear the difference of a compressed a well compressed audio file and uh, and uh, the original because um yeah because it actually just uh, reduces the, the 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 huge amount of data to the part that you can actually hear that the human ear can detect and and decipher. So um, it works by basically using a kind of a algorithm that detects all those uh, wavelengths and all those aspects of the um, yeah of the information that are not audible. And it does that in, 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 in various interesting way. It, it's referred to as perceptual coding and it uses psychoacoustic uh, psycho models to discard and or reduce precision of components less audible to human hearing. So um, it's, it's, it's kind of a way of um, isolating all that that cannot be heard and then to just present what is left. And that's about 10% and that will be... Um, enough to to make make it yeah still sound um as as good as a as a as, as a full file which is uh, very important if it comes to um streaming or, or, or yeah or anything on the internet basically anything using data transmission and uh, mm -hmm. of course on a cd you can put it in much higher quality and much higher uh, fidelity but um as it, as it comes to when it comes to streaming and when it comes to um, digital downloads, then it has become very important to use these compressions in order just to to make it handleable uh, in the data size. And obviously, the development of the internet and the development of um, streaming has been designed and and pushed by the industry that has been that is behind streaming and. Uh, and uh, download um, musical download so um, 
yeah, I said already takes advantage, the lossy data compression takes advantage of a perceptual limitation of human hearing. And uh, it has been first developed uh, quite much early on in the beginning of the 80s, in the early 80s. And it's a, it's a product mostly um, out of the University of Erlangen Nuremberg here in Germany and then has been developed uh, further by Fraunhofer Institute. Uh, so it is a, um, a ba based on the research of a group of German, um, uh, actually quite young doctoral students. Uh, so a guy called Karl-Heinz Brandenburg was one of the yeah, pioneers in this direction. And uh, others like Bernhard Gurill and four other researchers and those are called the original six, uh, um, have been yeah, basically pioneering this whole technology of um, data compression, music compression, which, which led to the whole revolution we know of as uh, streaming. So um, we do have other uh, standards of uh, data, data compression, um, for example, MP, MP2 or... Um, or the, the uh, ASPEC uh, format and various other ones, but um, not until basically in the 90s, uh, the MP, MP3 format basically has become, a, gained a monopoly for various reasons because it just was the most um, elegant and most easy to use compression. So it became a kind of a, a standard in the 90s and then once it uh, achieves a certain um, yeah penetration of, of the market of course uh, networks effects network effects kick in and you uh, yeah you, you basically take over the market and that's what happened with mp3 um, and basically until today it remains the main uh, the standard of uh, data compression you can co compress it in various degrees, so uh, it's not like it's one ratio that is defined. Um, it's, mu it's much, it's very variable, um, which makes it a, a great tool for anybody working with, with music. Also, um, there are different ways of, of using um, data compression. You can uh, do a flat compression so you just say okay i will do everything uh, by 80 90 percent or what uh, more and more audiophile people are doing is that you use a, a a system of sort of partial compression so basically what you want to avoid when using data compression is uh, certain what they call compression art artifacts which you can sometimes hear um and that are due to the the low bit rate of some uh yeah some some, some compression so if you have a too low comp uh, bit rate you'll sometimes hear these artifacts which particularly um can be heard in in very dynamic dynamically abrupt music so for example clapping applause uh, you can often hear in a bad uh in a in a yeah too low bit rate compression you can hear these artifacts that are quite ugly and uh, to avoid that you can 
use so-called partial compression where you just use maximum compression in the in the in the musical parts where it's mo uh, yeah most um fit for so where where it's the dynamic is constant and stable and uh, where there's not so much abrupt change uh, because there you definitely can the human ear, ear cannot hear any difference whereas when it's um the music changes or there's applause or something like that you will want to maybe have a much higher bit rate so less compression and uh, in order to have a, a a perfect sound so there are various ways to work with uh, data compression and um, so that's that that's maybe to the technology as such I hope uh, that makes sense it makes a little, uh, after this short research definitely made a little bit more sense for me and uh, and it's it's definitely uh, such a basic thing of our world we are hearing mp3s all the time whenever we hear uh, streaming or, or, or anything really in the digital world it will probably be based on the mp3 data compression and uh, one thing uh, that is interesting, just a, a, a little uh, sidestep here, is a study that has been made um, at Stanford. Jonathan Berger, a professor there, has been just making a long-term study based on um, his entry students, so on their uh, habits of listening to music, and of course all of them, and and more and more so are listening to mp3s on their ipods and stuff like that so uh, he's been trying to understand how that maybe changes the the side the yeah the 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 basically the music as such and the the way people listen and the habits of listening um so basically what he's been noticing that the sizzling sound of music, which is a, a one of the artifacts of um, of uh, data compression, is something that people just simply got used to and becomes part of the work itself. So, um, so the, here he writes: our perception changes and we become attuned to what we like. Some like the sizzle and others like the crackle. The crackle uh, here uh, he. Um, he means the the crackling of uh, when you use vinyl uh, you, you often have this crackling sound when listening to it and many for many people that is actually a very familiar and very regressive and very beautiful um, part of the music so it may be that just people now listening to, to mp3s have somewhat of a same um, nostalgic or yeah just or just um they're just used to this certain way of how it sounds, and just like yeah, older vinyl lovers uh, like their crackle. Um, maybe MP3 listeners like their sizzle. Um, so the context of listening is really quite important here too. So if people are just used to uh, listening to a certain type of compression that makes a certain artifact or certain style of sound it becomes a cultural mm -hmm. artifact and that is very tied to our um yeah our, our, our just habits as recipients so so it just becomes a normal 
thing and something you actually start missing if you don't have it. So that's that's really interesting. Um, so so here he writes. <laughs> On a related note, a friend commented recently that she doesn't understand why people put up with such poor sound quality for phone calls on cell phones and particularly iPhones. I can hardly hear the person talk to, talking to me, she said. I don't think smartphones are making any improvement to the quality of the phone call, she added. Is it not important anymore? She wondered why people accepted such poor quality and so did Jonathan Berger, but a lot of people just don't hear it the same way. So maybe we may be just, yeah, we're just so used to the way um, people sound through the phone that we just don't want to have actual real, uh, realistic representation of people's voices when talking through phones because we actually like the artifacts and the, the distortion that comes with um, talking through the phone. And I, uh, here he links to a, a study that actually proves that that when people, uh, when they, when the um, various network providers try to actually improve the sound, which is very possible, um, it was people didn't didn't like it because they they thought it was weird that it sounded so realistic talking through the phone, and people actually liked these yeah technological artifacts that came out of uh, this way of communicating, and it maybe and it obviously is the same. For music and the way we listen through mediums, uh, be it vinyl or MP3 or any other, any other format that creates a certain context around listening to music. So uh, that will be it for this uh, special and slightly, <coughs> slightly awkward, uh, super duper alone episode. I hope uh, I had something relevant to say to you guys. Uh, we love the fact that um you're listening and you're part of our um regular ramblings we do hope that we will be more regular on a weekly basis back here in uh, in the course of the, the month uh, we just had some very stressful times both of us and um but um we will definitely be back very soon matthias and i with uh another episode together and Matthias will also do an alone episode which he definitely owes me after this <laughs> and actually we will be starting talking uh, to talk to uh, other people as well so add some guests into the show uh, we're looking forward a lot to that and uh, we want to say thank you for listening please do recommend the show if you like it um, and feel free to comment on Facebook or um, anywhere else where we are uh, which would be also email um, su super duper music podcast at gmail.com thank you for listening and be back soon ciao